From the East Coast to the West Coast, this is the Coast to Coast NBA Podcast. I'm Chalanga. And I'm Dylan. Hey, Dylan. How you doing? Hey, Chalanga. I'm doing so well. I'm so happy. Yeah? I feel vindicated in my choice to take the Raptors in seven, even though I kind of half-assed it. Yeah. My uh, Warriors in five take is not looking so hot. Yeah. Well... You thought that they had a home court advantage. I did when I when I did the bet. I thought that they had home court, which is my fault. And I feel like you know? you, you probably thought that KD was coming back by game four. Yeah, least. yeah, he is coming back for game five though. So, is that for sure now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be back. I only saw that he practiced. I he was going to do an extra practice. I thought I saw a tweet that he was cleared to play in game four. Game five. That's what I meant. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I we will see. I don't think that he's going to be there. And as I texted you, it could be Katie, Michael Jordan. It could be anybody. I don't care. Raptors in five. Yeah, I think the Raptors are going to do it. Thank God. Congratulations <laughs> to the city of Toronto. Yeah. I feel vindicated in my take this year that I thought somebody could beat Golden State. Mm. Yeah, I mean you were right, and but I didn't know if it was going to be Toronto. I really didn't. Yeah, but I guess we all I, we all forgot how good Kawhi is, and he really showed out this whole postseason. Like one of the best postseason performances of all time, from top to bottom. Truly true. I mean, an iconic shot. True, like one of the most iconic shots of all time. I think right. Like, can we say that that's got to be top ten? Iconic shots. If they win the finals, it's the greatest shot of all time. <laughs> Bar none. I mean, right? four, if four bounces, he was falling out of bounds. The scream afterward, he was just down on, you know, in a squat position, screaming. He made all of the 76ers cry. It's like, <laughs> poor man get paid. <laughs> it's pretty special. I also saw a, a report that he bought property in Toronto. I do you read that because I just heard from Bill Simmons' podcast that that happened. Maybe it was an aggregate report. It was just a little. I didn't read the article. It was just a notification on my phone. It said Kawhi Leonard bought property in Toronto. Oh God! So I hope, <laughs> but he, stays. he also bought property in San Diego. So you never know, right? Well, I I certainly hope he stays. I, I'm a fan of this Raptors team, and I think that. He would be foolish to go to the Clippers and to think that he would be in a better situation. Absolutely. And that would be the second time that somebody's traded for a star that they thought was going somewhere else, namely L.A., mm-hmm. and then ended up staying with the team that traded for him. Right. That's what I'm <laughs> That'd saying. That'd be amazing. This would open up the Anthony Davis sweepstakes to any team in the NBA. Here's the thing. Is that if you've got a situation where you can trade for a star without actually sacrificing the integrity of your team as a whole because they, like they Toronto did not sacrifice their team at all they just upgraded their small forward position yeah. <laughs> which is crazy um yep. I mean, they got they got a lucky circumstance because he hadn't played and no one really knew if he was healthy or not but 
I mean, if you think about the even the 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 Thunder, they didn't sacrifice the integrity of their team. I mean, they traded Sabonis, who was terrible for the Thunder, and Oladipo, <laughs> who was also terrible for the Thunder, and got Paul yeah. George, who has been who has played some of the best basketball of his career for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And now Oladipo played some of the best basketball of Paul George's career as well. Yeah, well, you know, Oladipo was never going to be successful next to Russell Westbrook. It just doesn't. It, they're not a match. True. Uh, anyway, that is all interesting conversation. But we are here to talk about the Timberwolves. My friend Dylan, as we all know, there's been a lot of offseason movement in the front office of the Timberwolves organization, starting, of course, with the hiring of the new president of basketball operations, Pobo Gerson Rosas. That was a bad pronunciation. Gerson. Thank you. But there have been a total of five hires. So our vice president of basketball operations, Sachin Gupta. Assistant GM, Gianluca Pescucci. Even better. Assistant coach in charge of defense, David Vanterpool. And most Mm. recently, assistant coach in charge of offense, I think. That seems like what he's going to be doing. Uh, Pablo Prigioni from the Nets. Um, He was in charge of uh, player development for the Nets. Could have Uh, have been a little harder on that G, I think. Prigioni. Prigioni. And uh, Gianluca Pascucci, another Italian, was also from the Nets. He was the director of global scouting. Mm. So... Here's here's what I'm noticing is that there is definitely um Garrison definitely has like a focus on the world a focus on youth and a focus on uh people with with modern basketball minds for his staff is is that is that the vibe that you're getting Yeah I mean my vibe that I'm getting is that he wants all of these leaves from the tree of Daryl Morey mm-hmm. to be multicolored, like the leaves of the trees in Minnesota in the fall. Oh, that's beautiful, Dylan. <laughs> and it's about damn time. For real, but you're right about the Morey tree. So Gerson, of, of course, is from the Houston Rockets. Suchin spent time with Houston and also in Philadelphia with Sam Hinkie, who was also from Houston under Daryl Morey. Uh, Gianluca Pescucci, he spent time in Houston under Maury. Also vaguely part of the pop tree, Greg Popovich, via Sean Marks, because Sean Marks is directly from Pop's line. And now whoever Sean Marks tutors, whoever he brings under his tutelage, is thus vaguely related to Greg Popovich. Anyway, it seems like he's bringing in good people who have worked for good people. Yeah, not only have they worked for good people, they've worked with good people, like D'Angelo Russell, for example. Hey, that was a great transition. There was a rumor, a rumor, a report-ish, that there are many teams who have growing interest in restricted free agent D'Angelo Russell. One of those teams was our very own Minnesota Timberwolves. So it started with a rumor that the Wolves were interested then. Towns posted an Instagram story with a shush finger emoji and a looking eyes emoji and tagged D'Angelo Russell in it. <laughs> Very interesting. And Chalanga sent that to me in 
my my personal Instagram DMs. Mm-hmm. I slid right in. I want to shout out my uh, my main man, Troy Aslin, because he sent that to me first. Troy, I love you, buddy. Mm. I know you're listening. Thank you, Troy. So, very exciting, very exciting. But it's like, well, the Nets, you know, they might want to keep D'Angelo. He was a good player, blah, blah, blah. Then the Nets traded Alan Crabb to the Hawks to clear room for two max player spots. And Adrian Wojnarowski tweets, Kyrie is absolutely serious about the Nets. Dylan, it seems like D'Angelo Russell is on the move this offseason. It definitely seems like that. And you were telling me off pod that there's no way that the Nets would do a sign and trade with Minnesota. But I do think that there's more advantage to them getting assets for D'Angelo Russell and doing the sign and trade than there is for them to do, uh, to just let him go and just bring on Kyrie. You know what I mean? Yeah, Why wouldn't they take the assets? Because they did have to give up two assets to to get off of Alan Crabb, two first-round picks. That's interesting. That might be a way to make it work with Orlando. Although, once oh, again... D- come on. I'm just saying... Make it work with us. A sign-and-trade would require that the Timberwolves send either Jeff Teague or Gorgie Jang or Andrew Wiggins. As we know, they are okay with taking on bad contracts. Alan Crabb happens to be one of them. Yeah, they were okay with taking on bad contracts when they were also getting assets to because they didn't have any assets. They traded away all their first-round picks, and so the only way that they could get assets was to take on that bad money. But now they're about to have Kyrie and maybe a friend, Jimmy Butler. Who knows? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I We'll see. I'm just saying that it, it doesn't make sense to take on bad money when you're trying to push the chips all in. And Teague's expiring anyway, so he's not that bad of money. No, it's not that bad of money. I just don't think I don't think they're interested in another point guard because they've got Dinwiddie and well, Kyrie, definitely not, obviously. And even Levert is you know a ball handler. Anyway, maybe we need to bring in a third team to reroute Jeff Teague to the Suns or the Magic. You know, if I mean, if the Magic really are just looking for a point guard, I think we're foreshadowing our our D and D pod that's coming out next week. That is so true. We'll uh, I'm gonna do anything I can to get Jeff Teague off the team and D'Angelo Russell on the team. I don't. I don't think it's going to be that hard to get Jeff Teague off the team. I'll just say no. That. But it will be hard to get D'Angelo Russell on the team. And and here's why. So I, I looked into it. So the report was that our our main competition is Indiana, Utah, and Orlando. The team that has probably the clearest path to sign D'Angelo Russell uh, are the Indiana Pacers. They've currently got $48.8 million available in cap space. I would imagine that D'Angelo would go somewhere between $20 million and the max for his age bracket, which I think is $27 million, the same, same contract that Andrew Wiggins is on. Mm-hmm. So he would go somewhere in that range. So let's put him at 24, cut, split the difference, right? Yeah. Um, even though he's shown more than Andrew Wiggins has shown, and Andrew Wiggins well, is on I the think, max. I honestly think that if if he's going to leave, I don't know if he – I don't. How, do, how does this work? So if Indiana offers 24 and and then Brooklyn doesn't match – 
does he have to sign with them? Uh, no, he doesn't have to unless he's the, so after he signs a deal with another team, Brooklyn has seventy two hours to match. Okay, so really, here's the thing: is that D'Angelo Russell has some serious leverage in this situation. Like, unless Kyrie signs day one of free agency or like very quickly, it's going to be very tough for Brooklyn to just let him walk away because they don't they don't have any unless like they're really comfortable that Kyrie is going to come join the Nets. It's going to be really right. hard for them to be like, "Yep, go ahead." Which is why they cleared out the two max spots so then they can, you know sign D'Angelo and still have the the flexibility to go out and, and sign Kyrie. Right, right. I guess what I'm wondering is, would D'Angelo take a bargain in Minnesota to play with not only Towns, but two different Nets coaches mm. or front office people that he knows and trusts, and he loves Pablo Prigioni? I'm sure. I mean, player player development. He was working a lot with D'Angelo to help him become the best version of himself. Well, who's the who's the guy that whose tweets I always read? Jason Meyer or is it John Meyer? John Meyer. I always think it's John Mayer. I always think I'm looking up tweets from John <laughs> Mayer. John Meyer, your body is a wonderland. Uh, I was looking up a tweet from him. He was translating something from Italian or some some or it was either Italian or some Spanish article that was saying that D'Angelo Russell something about D'Angelo Russell loving Pablo Prigioni and calling him like the king or something like that or some great oh, wow. coach that he's had yeah like he's like that he's some kind of baller like that he's awesome. Do you think that that is a reason that Rosas was so interested in hiring Net staff because That's he's wanted D'Angelo the whole time? That's what I'm wondering. Mm. And I that's that's the most exciting part of all of this news is that this could be an indicative of D'Angelo Russell coming to the Wolves. And like why else would Towns like I'm sure that Ger- that Garrison, sorry, even me too. Um Garrison, I'm sure he even is talking to Towns about this. So why would Towns put that in his story? You know what I mean? This I'm is sure fascinating. That, that they're all talking to each other. This is so fascinating, Dylan. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of gossip going behind this. Yeah, I'm to to think that maybe Rosas saw he sees this player that's about to burst, and there's a chance that we could get him. I mean, we could structure a deal. So let me just jump down to to the path that Minnesota has to get D'Angelo Russell. And the step one, of course, is trading Jeff Teague. That would give us uh, 19 million in, in cap room. Mm-hmm. And so that is definitely not as much as D'Angelo Russell would probably make on the open market. But there are ways to structure the deal so by the end of it he's making, you know, closer to twenty five million. Which right. you know, is is more market value for D'Angelo. I'm sure D'Angelo sees Andrew Wiggins making thirty three million you know, four years from now. And it's like, why am, you know, I'm better than that guy. But that's not, you know, always how salaries work. So here's what I would do if, if I were Brooklyn, I would wait to, I would wait to match. And then I would trade to the team that wanted (laughs) to just to get some kind of asset. Wait, you would match and, and then trade. I, is that not possible? I would imagine that 
under the CBA, you can't match an RFA deal and then trade. Well, you can the- sign and trade. Why not? That's BS. I do. I would just imagine that there's a clause against that. I, I don't know. I have not read the CBA in full. <laughs> Wouldn't that be insane? <laughs> that would be insane. I just... <laughs> I just can't imagine that they would let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> but if they're smart, they that's what they would do is get some type of value for D'Angelo. Yeah, you know, I think that's I think that's not wrong. I think that's definitely not wrong. What they could do is I think a sign and trade with Utah could make some sense because uh Derek Favors is on I'm listen. I'm just trying to be realistic. You know, I want, I want D'Angelo on the Timberwolves bad. I think that would be so awesome. I think that would be so awesome, Dylan. But I'm just trying to be realistic. If if uh, Utah traded favors, so favors is a non guarantee for next year. I think there's only three million of his of his sixteen or seventeen million that's guaranteed for next year. So if the Nets signed D'Angelo to let's say twenty four for four years, and then trade to Utah for Derek Favors and and an additional asset, you know, future first or like Grayson Allen. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I want, Grayson <laughs> Allen. I think he, um, he played nine minutes in the Utah game I saw in person this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, no, but some sort of future asset that could be interesting. Maybe Utah's mm-hmm. first round pick this year or. If Kyrie and Jimmy or Kyrie and Katie want to come, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's coming. Ky- Kyrie and Kawhi want to come. Tobias Harris. That sounds like a, a net. That's so boring. Tobias Harris is so boring. But um, that's what they would want. Yeah, just an ancillary. Uh, ancillary is that the word? Yeah, like on in on the outskirts. Yeah, just like a star that will just shoot. Regardless, Utah and Derek Favors' non-guaranteed contract for next year is a really solid asset because it's $17 million of salary that you can trade to take on someone else, and then that team can either cut him or keep him um, and save up to like $14 million in salary. And the the biggest issue with him is that he can't play with Gobert and Mitchell on the floor. Mm Mm-hmm. Like that, that lineup doesn't work together. So he's not going to be playing for Utah. Yeah, so, you know what? Would yeah, be, that makes sense. What would be interesting for Utah is possibly trading for like Tim Hardaway Jr. because that is about the same amount of money that Tim Hardaway Jr. makes. If if Dallas is looking to clear up a little bit of space, they can trade. That gives Utah a little bit more shooting, and Tim Hardaway's expiring contract, and they still have seventeen million to work with. Yeah, I'm wondering if they're just going to run a lot more with Donovan Mitchell. I think that was discussed on Bill Simmons' pod was like, well, Donovan Mitchell is Utah's point guard. And then Bill was like, no, I'm not sure, but I don't know. Yeah, Um, it's hard to say, you know, if he's a better on-ball or off-ball player. I mean, it was a little bit of a digression this year, but he was hurt at the beginning of the season. Regression. Regression. Excuse me. I digress. He regresses. (laughs) (laughs) Shalanga, wake up. Um, Are you still playing 2K? I am still playing 2K. My bad. <laughs> but what I want to say is I want to give you... The, I digress. I want to give you the big three for each of the four teams that are competing for D'Angelo Russell. I want you to tell me which one is best. So if Indiana signs D'Angelo Russell, their big three would be D'Lo, Depot, 
and Miles Turner. Ooh, that's a fun ass team. If I Utah, so. I don't know who the point guard is. Was I mean they have they're both half point guards. Yeah, I mean they're both play. Two half point guards equals one point guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look how well it worked out for Brooklyn this year. Hey, they made it to the they made it to the playoffs. No one expected them Congrats. to in the East. Except I think I wanted to put them in the playoffs at the beginning of the year. I think I think we both liked them. Yeah. In comparison to maybe where other people did. Although I had them in the playoffs last year, so like whatever. <laughs> uh Utah, their big three would be Russell, Mitchell, and Gobert, which is similar. That's that's to, better. To to Utah, but or similar to Indiana, but better. Like Gobert is Chilling better than that's way yeah. Gobert is better than Turner, but Turner can shoot. Gobert can't, you know. So there's there's like a little bit. I don't know. Donovan I, Mitchell is alive and playing basketball, and like I oh yeah, I love you, Victor. I love you. I love you. Come back healthy, baby. Yeah, I just think that the the difference between Turner and Gobert is not that vast. I think that I think that Turner is pretty underrated defensively. I mean, he's not Rudy Gobert. He's just not. But he his feet move better. Like he can he can defend on the perimeter better than Gobert can. Uh, he just doesn't he doesn't warp the floor in the same way that Gobert does because in a lot of ways Gobert changes the way that people play because he is in a lot of ways Rudy Gobert was third team All NBA this year in a stacked year for centers. Yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking about like who would I rather have in a playoff series though? I think I'd rather have Miles Turner. Because he is more versatile than Gobert. And Gobert has been played off the floor in several playoff series. So, you know. You'd rather have Miles Turner than Rudy Gobert right now. In a playoff series? Right now, yeah. Who am I playing? Indiana was kind of played off the floor, too. <laughs> Don't forget <laughs> about that. Well, they didn't have Oladipo. Still. Uh, okay, I, I guess I'd rather have Rudy Gobert. Thank you. Eight, eight times out of ten. Thank you. Seven times out of ten. <laughs> okay, that's now that's like a a medium warm take. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Orlando's big three. This is really funny. If Orlando signed him, which <laughs> would put them significantly over the cap, especially if they want to re-sign Vooch, would be D'Angelo Russell, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic. Ooh, that's such a bad team. You want to hear my? <laughs> My Vucevic take, I think that Nikola Vucevic will sign a like a $25 million deal with Sacramento. to go play. No. no, the Lakers. Did you hear that I just hung up? <laughs> I think the Lakers are going to miss out on everybody and panic because it, LeBron is nearing his end and they're just going to be like, we got to... And LeBron's like, you know who my guy is, Nikola. <laughs> Ooh, I just think, you know, they're going to be like, oh, look at this all-star player that we added to this Lakers team with LeBron. Is it Vucevic or is it Vucevic? I think it's Vucevic. Well, it's Vic. Is it? Yeah. Vucevic. I think it's Vucevic. It might be Vuc, because it's Vuc. People call him Vuc. Yeah, it's Vucevic. I, I think it's Vucevic. Yeah. I think that's how you would, yeah. Well, neither here nor there. Let's email he's signing, Zach Lowe. He's, he is going to fucking sign the shit 
out of something with Vlade Divac. You think? I, do the yeah. Kings have the space? They have so much space right now. I think they're one of the. They were one of the only teams with with room this year. Yeah, but then they traded for Harrison Barnes, who makes a lot oh, of money. Yeah. They have they have space though. I know that they have space. Okay. And if Minnesota yeah. signed D'Angelo Russell, our big three would be Russell, Covington, and Towns. Now that, my friend, that's a team. Let me argue for a second that that could be the best of all of the big threes. Rudy Gobert, the best thing about Rudy Gobert is that he's a first-team, all-defense type of person. Mm-hmm. We already got that. Robert Covington. Yeah. It's different, but yeah. A Carl Towns, D'Angelo Russell pick-and-roll could be the most dangerous thing in the NBA with those floaters that D'Lo has. Oh, my God. With the everything that Carl Towns has. Yeah. That would be the most dangerous one-two punch in the entire NBA on offense. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Towns is the is the best player in in all of those in all of those big threes. Towns is the best player. Definitely. I mean, definitely the Depot's best got more accolades and and Gobert was third team over him. Mm-hmm. But Towns is the better player. Yeah, he's the best player, and he's just and I think that Towns is going to continue to get better. I think we're going to look down the road in like three or four years, and Towns is going to be a fucking beast. I sure hope so. I think so too. What else? So what else we got? Here's the thing. If 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 D'Angelo loves Timberwolves and he loves Carl Anthony Towns and he loves Pablo Prigioni and he decides Prigion. to sign the offer sheet and Brooklyn doesn't match because Kyrie and Jimmy come. Not only will we have that that big three, but we've got eight players under contract, all rotational players, Wiggins, Covington, Sarich, Okogi, KBD. Plus, likely we will get Tyus Jones on a team-friendly deal, and that will leave us with our full MLE and biannual to get some high-quality role players. Um, we'll have about, talking about 12.8 million to work with. And if we can get Anthony Tolliver types and actually play them, you know, I was we were talking before the pod about a Marcus Morris that could be night, a, mm-hmm. a Wayne Ellington, uh, Reggie Who did, Bullock. I was texting you a bunch of guys. I talked to you too much, though. I can't search for this. I know it's it's it'll be tough to go back, but the, you know, a lot of guys are a Rodney Magruder. Lots of options for serviceable defensive-minded three-point shooting players a james ennis anyway all this has got me very excited the fact that the wolves are are in free agent talks which seems like that never happens the fact that the front office seems really fucking amazing the fact that you know taking a step back our cap situation is not so totally horrible Um, especially if we can get off of jeff teague (laughs) I think we can get off of Jeff Teague and Andrew Wiggins, though. I mean, you just might. I see you're going to need to convince me that any team would take Andrew Wiggins. All right, that's the next convince me. But the the convince me for now, I want to get back to the finals. Or do you want to keep talking? No, I'm good. I'm good on D'Lo. Steph Curry could never, has never, and could never be the best player in the NBA. Bold. 
Are you ready to be convinced? I don't think I'm going to convince you of that. That was that was a little bit harsh. I I just on the like previous pod said that Steph Curry is the best player in the league. You said he's the second best. Oh, I did say he's the second best. You're right. I think that he has never been the best and could never be the best. Can he be second best? Maybe. No, because Kawhi. Sorry. Kawhi really is really good. <laughs> and Kawhi's not even healthy right now. I know. It's crazy. All right. Convince me, Dylan. <laughs> All right. So you know how I'm obsessed with height, right? Yeah. You a are. A little bit. I'm just, I'm kind of a little obsessed with it. What I've found out is that there's kind of a line of demarcation with finals MVP and with players who can really affect the game in high stakes situations such as the finals in the NBA. And this line of demarcation is right at 6-6. So players who are under 6-6 tend to not play as well later into the season. Hmm. And that can be partially because like as we saw with Steph Curry, he wore down he wasn't able to close out in game four. The whole team's legs were just shot. But after Steph Curry played 45 minutes in game three, he was not able to close out on, on the wings. He mm. and Clay, and Clay more because of his hamstring. But they're just tired. They're worn out. And it's tough for a team full of guards to win. But it's even tougher for a point guard who is under 6'6" who's involved in the game, and whose game relies so much on movement all the time to really, really affect the to affect the whole game when you're going at 100% for 25 straight games mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So what I found out, and one of the things is like, oh, Steph's never won finals MVP. Well, not a lot of players under 6'6 did. The reason why I chose 6-6 is because players like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan were 6-6, obviously. Right. So that's that's what I chose as my line of demarcation. Now I'm going to go through some of the finals MVPs that were under 6-6. And we can, we can ju- I'm just going to list them, and then we can talk about them later. Okay. But uh, Jerry West was 6-2 in 1969. He happened to lose, but he was amazing he was one of the most dominant guards of all time john havlicek 1974 was 6-5 mm. but you know in 1974 6-5 was 6-6 basically <laughs> <laughs> height inflation height inflation jojo white was 6-3 in 1976 is definitely not 6-3 now but that being said in 1976 he won finals mvp with the celtics uh, he's definitely not 6'3 now. <laughs> well, I don't <laughs> It just sounded like I was saying he he was 6'3. Yeah. Well, he was the finals MVP in 1976 at the height of 6'3. Right. Dennis Johnson in 1979 with the Supersonics with a guard-heavy team was 6'4 and won finals MVP. Mm. Joe Dumars in 1989, 6'3. Isaiah Thomas, 1990, 6'1". Chauncey Billups, 6'3", in 2004. Dwayne Wade, 6'3", in 2006. And Tony Parker was the last to do it at 6'2", in 2007. That is 50 years worth of finals MVPs, and that's happened nine times. That's not a lot for that's someone who, lot. for any, any player under 6'6". The average height in the NBA right now, I've read online, is 6'7". That's the average. It, that's almost half of the league. 
Yeah. That's under six six. Yeah. And that's only happened less than twenty percent of the time. Eighteen percent to be exact. The statistics don't match up. So yeah, that's what I'm saying is that there, eh, there's a little bit of indication to say that short guys can't lead their teams. But I wanted to know because a lot of these players happen to have really good teams around them. I wanted to know not only what could these little guys lead their team, but could they carry their team? Hmm. Because that's what's on Steph Curry's shoulders right now and what has been on his shoulders since Kevin Durant has been out, right? Yeah. And here's the statistic that I made up to determine whether this player truly dominated and carried their team. I decided to see if they could lead in three of the five categories, the main categories, points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Mm. It ended up being like kind of interesting. So here's the list of players who led in three of the five major categories in the finals MVP era. All of these people happen to have led in terms of both accumulative totals and in points per game or like in per game total or in per game statistics. Mm -hmm. The first person to do that was Kareem, who did it with points and rebounds. And I'm going to say that it's safe to say that he led his team in blocks in 1971. Yeah. (laughs) But that statistic was not around. I figured two of three is leading enough. Mm -hmm. He was caring enough. Then it didn't happen until Rick Barry in 1975, who happens to be 6'7", or happens to have been 6'7". And he led his team in points, assists, and steals. Bill Walton did it in 1977, rebounds, assists, and blocks. Didn't lead his team in points. Kind of weird. The first the first person to not lead his team in points to carry his team in but the finals. Bill Walton is such a badass. He is. He is. Uh, and then Kareem did it again in 1980. Points, rebounds, and blocks. And as I said before, he did not win MVP. We discussed this in his podcast that we did where, he, where we called him the GOAT, the greatest basketball player in NBA history. Magic won MVP because he was hurt for Game 6, but somehow he still led the team in total points, rebounds, and blocks. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Larry Bird did it in 1981 with rebounds, assists, and steals. He did not win finals MVP because Cedric Maxwell won. I think that Larry Bird probably deserved it, but Cedric Maxwell led Larry Bird in points 17 to 15. Mm. I'm going to give that one to Larry. Yeah, you know, it's it's tough when you weren't watching the series and kind of seeing how the games were played and the narratives and blah, blah, blah. True, true. That's true. That's true. Uh, I would say that in hindsight, though, Cedric Maxwell is... Uh, he's not the force that Larry Bird is, obviously. <laughs> yeah. But good for him. Yeah, proud of him. <laughs> Larry Bird did it again in 1984 with points, rebounds, and steals. Kareem did it in 1985 with points, rebounds, and blocks. Bird did it again in 1986 with rebounds, assists, and steals. Just This is like every year it happened. Magic was the first person in 1987 to to lead his team in four of the five major categories. Points, rebounds, assists, and steals. Way to go, Magic. That's crazy. I know that... I know that I've soured on you not only as a human being but as a basketball person, <laughs> <laughs> a basketball leader. Yeah. But 
congratulations on leading your team in four of the five major categories in the 1987 finals. Wow. Isaiah Thomas led his team in 1990 in points, assists, and steals. Michael Jordan led his team in 1991 in points, assists, and steals as well. Hakeem Olajuwon led his team in points, steals, and blocks. Shaq did it three years in a row. Not rebounds? Points, rebounds, and blocks. Nope, he didn't. Wow. Yeah, Otis Thorpe led the team with 11.3 rebounds. That's pretty insane, huh? Yeah, that is. After Hakeem, Shaq does it three times in a row. Wow. Points, rebounds, and blocks. First player to do it three, or I guess second player to do it three times after Kareem. But that's just an insane run. Shaq is one of the most dominant NBA forces of all time. No question about that. Yeah. Tim Duncan led his team in four categories. He was the second player to lead his team in four categories. He led his team in points, rebounds, assists, and blocks in the 2003 finals. He had a line of 24-17, 5-1, and 5 blocks a game in 2003. 5 assists, 5 blocks, 17 rebounds, 24 points. That's mad wild. He's a good player. Yeah. Tim Duncan did it again. Points, rebounds, and blocks. This time only three of the five major categories in 2005. Tim Duncan did it again in 2007. Rebounds, assists, steals, and blocks. But Tony Parker won MVP. He did significantly lead the team in points, and he shot really well from the field. He shot 57%. Wow. So, I mean, it is arguable that Tim Duncan deserved MVP that season, or finals MVP, I should say. Yeah. But Tony Parker did lead the team in game score. He really was an offensive force for the team. I'm not going to disparage Tony Parker for winning finals MVP, but... It is arguable that Duncan should have won it. Right. And there's something to be said when, like, Tony Parker is not the best player on that team, you know? And so when you win finals MVP, but you're not the best player on the team, it raises questions of, like I said earlier, narrative and also, like, just like a hot period of time. You know, just a hot shooting time for Tony Parker. Yeah. So I understand why you would want, like, maybe you're... Maybe you're tired of the Tim Duncan narrative. Maybe it's just like, hey, let's give it to the guy who actually did more on offense for the Spurs for in this series, you know? Right. And it was only a four-game series to begin with. So it was like it was such a lopsided team, and it was such a dominant Spurs team. Like, that was such an amazing team. I get it. You don't need to give it to Tim Duncan. They probably could have beaten the Cavs without Tim Duncan. Yeah. Or Tony Parker. Maybe not both, but, like, one or the other. <laughs> yep. But that being said, like, okay, so give it to Tony Parker. They was close enough to the point that they were like, let's give it to Tony. 2010, Kobe does it, points, assists, and steals. He led his team in assists with 3.9. That just goes to show you how much he was ISOing in 2010. <laughs> 3.9 assists led that team. That's crazy. In the finals. That's crazy. It's Kobe's world, and we're just living in it. Now watch this. LeBron did it in 2012 and 2013. He led four categories Damn. in 2013. That's points, assists, rebounds, and steals Wow. in 2013. Otherwise, it was points, rebounds, assists. In 2016, guess what happens? LeBron does it again. 
he, history is made. He LeBron he, does he, in all, all five. All fucking five. That's what's up. We all knew that. I mean, this has been discussed before, but just as a reminder, like all of these legendary players, and LeBron not only has done it just as much as everybody, but he's led in both four categories and all five categories. Yeah, that was he one of the finest performances in NBA Finals history. The may, that the championship should be worth three. Yeah, it should. It just should. Just multiply that championship by three, and Is that's in now LeBron has five. It's outrageous. He deserves it. It was such a good, such a good series. And he beat the greatest team of all time, the greatest regular season team of all time, at least. Yeah. Is that, ugh, not enough can be said about that. Amazing that we can tell our grandkids about that. Right? Anyway, we got to we gotta uh, move on from LeBron, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Kevin Durant did in 2018 with points, rebounds, and blocks. In total, there were 23 of the 50 seasons in the finals MVP era where a player was... Um, where a player d- led their team in three of the five categories. One of those seasons, the player was under 6'6". Six, six. Isaiah Thomas. That's right. Mm-hmm. You were listening. You were like, oh, oh, IT did it. Yeah. <laughs> in four seasons, the players were under 6'8". Now that starts to include Kobe. That includes uh, Jordan for one season each. And then... Rick Barry. the other person that... For two includes? seasons. Oh yeah, Rick Barry for one season. For one season. Sorry. So that's so Rick Barry for one season, Michael Jordan for one season, and Kobe for one season. Got you. It's amazing that that Jordan only led his team in three categories one time. In it's because Scotty Pippen, underrated. Yep. It's because he is not the GOAT. That's right. <laughs> um Anyway, honorable mentions. I really, I really do want to address this because I think it's just really impressive if a if a little guy leads leads his team at all. Jerry West in 1969 led in two of the three. For back then, there I couldn't tell you whether he led in steals or blocks too, but they lost in seven games, and he truly did deserve the Finals MVP, and he did dominate that series just based on statistics. I haven't watched the whole series, obviously. Yeah. JoJo White in 1976 led in two categories, points and assists. So good for JoJo. I will say JoJo did have a lot of help. There was Dave Cowens, John Havlicek, uh, a lot of help on that team from all over the place. Paul Was Paul Westfall? I don't think Paul Westfall was on the team. I think he was up against Paul Westfall probably because I think they played the Suns. Anyway, I digress. Isaiah Thomas in 1989 led his team in two categories, assists and steals, but Dumars won mm. uh, MVP. And he was probably better because he did lead the team in points by about, it was like 27 to 21. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it's significant. Dwayne Wade led his team in 2006 in points and steals. He led his team in scoring by 20 points. It was like 33 to 13 was the next highest scoring player. Whoa. That was Probably Shaq. Maybe there was another guy in there. Dwayne. And Steph led his team in points and assists in 2015. Iggy won MVP that year. Yeah. And I think he deserved it. He he had to play defense. He had to play all of the defense. And I do think LeBron probably deserved finals MVP. He led Curry in both points and assists, even though Curry led his own team. And 
LeBron was just the best player in that series by far. And he was he dominated every facet of that series, of every facet of the game in that series. Yeah. I remember the the big conversation was like, should we should we give LeBron finals MVP even though they lost? And a man much smarter than we did, Zach Lowe gave his vote to LeBron James. Ugh. And I think that that says something. Nobody who voted for any warrior voted for Curry. Wow. Wow. Man, Zach Lowe is so honorable. Yeah. He always sticks up for any of his picks. Yeah, he does. Uh, I love that about him. All right. Five minutes. Five minutes left? Mm-hmm. What I found out in all of this research is that really only two players under 6-6 have led and carried their team in the NBA Finals. And that is Dwayne Wade. I'm going to count him just because he led his team in scoring by so much. And Isaiah Thomas in 1990. Mm -hmm. The two truest carries of their team. Interesting to note, though, while Steph Curry has his back up against the wall, and I believe is leading his team in two categories right now. Guess who's leading his team in three categories this year? Kawhi and is Leonard. probably going to win finals MVP. Kawhi motherfucking Kawhi Leonard. Leonard. Yet another legendary playoff slash finals appearance. And we get to bear witness. Wow. He's going to have two finals MVPs. At he's least. He's going to be a top 15 player of all time. No matter what. Unless his career ended today. He's 27. Yeah, he's so young. Oh, man. Who, who will have the better career when all is said and done? Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant? This is a predictive model, obviously. Well. Based on what they've done and what they could do. I don't think that Kawhi will ever win a regular season MVP. I don't think that KD will ever be the defensive player of the year. Right. Oh, man. When it's all said and done, I got to go with KD, man. But just just oh, by you're a... so boring. Just by a hair. You're so boring. Just by a I'm hair. I'm picking Kawhi. I think, I think Kawhi could be an MVP. He's 27. You're telling me that he won't ever win an, a regular season MVP. I don't think he'll ever play enough games. I think that... From now on, he will be a 60-game regular season player. Because he has so much injury history? What about Kevin Durant, who's missed, like, in 2000, what was it, 2015, he missed half the season? Yeah, but people... Now he's missing half of the playoffs? People don't like... I mean, KD's KD 31. already got his MVP. KD already got his MVP. I can see him winning another it. finals MVP. And people don't like the rest. What's and he going to add to his resume? I could see him winning a finals MVP. Again. Yeah. Totally. One one more. One more. Yeah. I could see Kawhi Leonard winning three more finals MVPs. I mean It's not likely, but it's in the cards as much as it is for Kevin Durant to win one more. Yeah. See, this is this is the convince He's 27. me. This is the convince me, Dylan. We've we've finally landed on the convince me that Kawhi Leonard is better than KD. All right, that was a very roundabout way to get to <laughs> Kawhi Leonard is better than KD, and that Steph Curry will probably never be the best player in the NBA and just can't be. 
because he has to expend way too much energy just to get a shot off. You know, you failed to mention his back-to-back MVPs. Regular season MVPs, you mean? Yeah. You mean the ones that happen in the regular season? Right, but that... That don't mean that you're the best player in the league? I mean... It just doesn't mean that anymore. There are two different seasons. There are the, there's the one where everybody tries, and there's the one where half the teams try and half the teams don't. You know, I just question I question that, you know, we need metrics to be able to measure this and to be able to talk about this because not every player has the situation to get themselves in the most important games, you know? So it's hard to... It's hard to say. And that's what we're here for, to say it. All right. Dylan, I'm not sure if you convinced me. You'll have to try again. But I think you did convince me that Kawhi is better than KD. Or or at least has a better chance of having a better career than KD. Ugh. A better than 50%. Here's my Dylan impression of responding to what you just said. Ugh, that's such a weak take. You're so boring. I feel like it's a given. Like everyone's like, "Oh, well, KD's the best player in the NBA." Blah blah blah. I think Kawhi has a better chance at having a better career. Listen, right now I'm on the I'm on the Kawhi wagon, the Kawagon. All right, Dylan, thank you for all your work. Uh, we'll be back next week with a really awesome pod. I've been doing a lot of work to to make it happen. Still got a lot more work to make it happen, but it's going to be great. Thank you for listening as always. Don't forget to follow us on the socials at Coast to Coast MBA on Twitter at Coast to Coast MBA Pod on Instagram. Send us an email at Coast to Coast MBA Pod at gmail.com. Don't forget to uh, download, leave us a rating interview on Apple or iTunes. You can also rate and review on Castbox, which I recently downloaded for all you Android users. Um, and Ooh. tell your friends to give us a listen. Uh, we've been putting out a lot of good content, and we got some really exciting stuff coming up this summer. So when all your low posts and your BS pods and your Ringer NBA shows aren't giving you enough content, we'll be here providing you with some interesting NBA takes. And We're funnier than they are. Let's not even put ourselves in the same category. Also, Bill Simmons' new his fucking joke about the finals that he keeps trying to make happen that's not funny where he's like, when is when is Trump going to get involved with uh, the Toronto winning the finals? You know, when is he going to step in? When is he going to say? He's something? doing a lot of things that aren't working. Like he's also saying that the Warriors, he, we have to root for the Warriors because they're the American team, and it's like, Bill, none of this is none of these angles are working for yeah. you. I just, it's it's weird. I love you, Bill. I love Bill, Bill too. Listens. He's a he's a fan of this podcast. Yeah, so we have to be nice. Yeah, Bill, we have to be nice, but we're going to be honest. We're going to be honest. All right. Thanks again for listening. Tough love. Uh, Dylan, you have a good night, okay? You too, Chalanga. Before we go, I just wanted to point out, or maybe this will be an after the pod thing. Anybody who was wondering, I don't think I said this, but Kawhi is leading his team currently in points, rebounds, and steals. Th- those are the three categories he's mm. leading his team in. Mm. Also, for the finals. One more thing. Is... Isaiah Thomas better than Steph Curry. Yes. That's a good one. That is that is the next convince me, I'm pretty sure. You convinced me of that just, already. Just right so now. I don't even know if we need it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, easy enough. Cool, Dylan. I'm glad I could convince you. Have a good night, okay? Good night. Thanks for listening. <laughs>